Hello, everybody. Hi, everyone. Welcome to a new episode of Don't Be a Stranger. Today we have with us Belle, who is a do-gooder. What? What kind of introduction is that? <laughs> she is. She's like one of those people who are like, who has like an intense passion for so many causes. Yeah. And it just blows my mind how she has a lot of energy and like mental capacity to care for so much on this planet. Yeah, I look up to her a lot because of that. But yeah, that's something because we knew each other since secondary school, which is fun in literature, right? Oh yes, our arts class together. Ah, Back yeah. to the arts literature days, man. Oh my gosh. Yeah. And that was very interesting because she's like been super excited or very invested in many causes from like migrant workers to like veganism to cancer basically your the like, whole spectrum crazy do-gooder like she has like a portfolio of things that she cares about yeah so i don't know like i guess this is a good way for us to introduce her and allow her to introduce herself yes bell let's hey, you guys thanks for the intro um, you made me sound like some happy-go-lucky ray of sunshine, but uh, <laughs> I'm not on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Um. Yeah. Thanks for thanks for that. And uh, today we'll be talking about what makes a good person and why is it so hard. You know, sometimes. Oh wait, guys, should I have done my special intro? Yes, do your special intro. Yes, okay. Belle has created okay. this amazing and super cute little intro for an episode which we love a lot. Yeah, we love her intro, yeah. She did a rehearsal before this. Drum roll, everyone. Drum roll. You've met your host. You've done the introspection and have it for me. You started the process of accepting your own body. Now, it's time to figure out how to be a good person. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Oh my gosh. Oh my That's God. why we're all here today. <laughs> Such yeah. an topic, yeah. It is quite interesting to me or like it personally hits quite home for me because it's like something that I've always struggled with. Like how much is good enough, right? When you're trying to be a good person. Right. Especially when so much is going on in the world right now, right? I literally feel like social media has sped up the entire news cycle. Like the political climate right now feels so much more reactionary. So I think this is even more important right now in this day and age to talk about how it is possible to even be a good person when so much is happening around you. Where do you even put your energy into, right? Yeah, yeah definitely. And I mean, that brings us like to, I guess, the first point of like what makes a good person, right? Um, I mean, I would say that there are like three steps to it in kind of, okay, my personal definition mm-hmm. and like three layers kind of so you imagine yourself at the bottom of like Maslow's hierarchy right I would say that the first step to being like a good person is to even know like what's going on right before you can even do anything that's true so yeah like maybe someone with a basic awareness of current events occurring around them be it locally or also globally and like you know as she said like there's so much on social media out there it's difficult to stay kind of afloat of all these news, much less like expand your sources beyond like reading, I don't know, Straits Times, mm-hmm. uh, to reading like, you know, Al Jazeera, all the kind of like T- uh, TOC, the online citizen, right. kind of like indie news sources, alternative mm-hmm. news sources. Yeah, it, it's kind of wild. 
right. what news uh, resources do you guys subscribe to? Yeah, no, I, I was thinking more like, you know, like local like media. We, ha- we definitely have mass media, like 100%, but what about more independent media? I'm not super sure if we have a lot of good sources of media that way. The only one that I guess I, I think is pretty interesting is like Rice Media. That's oh, the, okay. Yeah. Right, that right. We yeah. always think about like um, vulnerable communities and, and just those who are on the sidelines and, and don't really get much coverage. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And mothership. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but back, back to your question, about I feel like most of the media I subscribe to are probably like, I don't really read like the actual news, but it's all like YouTube, like YouTube channels and stuff. A lot of indie media, definitely. Yeah, it's not. I, I don't know. It, it feels it feels weird to me, like to read just like mass media. Sometimes I feel like I just need like that diversity of opinions and perspectives. It's so hard to find a neutral slash. Is that even really a neutral source of info these days? It's so hard to find that honestly. Yeah, I agree. And then, like, even on, like, social media, you see a lot of, like, I guess, arguing over, like, different news sources, right? Like, no matter what you, what you like, seek out, it's always going to be, like, oh, like, that's wrong, or, like, contradiction, you know? Cancel, cancel them. <laughs> oh, my gosh. Yeah, so, yeah, I think what you said about, like, uh, trying to consume, like, many like a diversity is also like really important right because like nowadays you have like oh intersectionality and then you need to like also be aware of like all these multiple issues at the same time Mm -hmm. and yeah there's just this like feeling of continuously trying to keep up which I guess can make it kind of stressful sometimes on you know even being in the know about what it is uh, what it means to be good yeah Mm -hmm. and because you feel like these days like just being saturated by all these different news sources and just everything that's happening in the world right now like do you struggle with empathizing mm. that's happening right now in the world right yeah i think like okay yeah this thing about empathy right it's really hard to because empathy is like you know basically connecting with other people right so it's a very important source for action, I feel, because you have to connect and understand in order to actually be able to take appropriate action. Yeah. But at the same time, it can also lead you to becoming like disengaged because then it just becomes like this overwhelming flood that washes past, you know, sometimes your own little bubble of privilege. And mm-hmm. I mean, you can afford to do so, I guess, to like tune out that noise because we are not directly involved. And you're so lucky to live here and everything rather than like in like Israel or Palestine right now. Um, but I believe that like, you know, as much as I am a very empathetic person, that disengaging is a good thing. Like psychology can help us explain this, you know, when how we have limited cognitive resources to cope and we just can't pay attention to everything. We aren't built for that. Mm. So, you know, this is how like, it explains how, like, oh, you know, you see those news headlines about, like, a single individual, like, oh, this boy has cancer, he's only, like, four years old. That appeals to us so much more than, like, the thousands of, like, I don't know, like, hurricane or flood victims. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but because our brains and hearts just can't compute suffering on a scale that is that big, we can't relate to that simply. So we just, you know, can't. When you say that there are like nearly 100,000 individuals who have fled to Cox Bazaar, you know, it feels just 
unfathomable you know yeah like how much is that i don't know i can only count to like 1000 individuals then i'm like <laughs> i'm done you know I'm out. yeah so i think sometimes you just want to shout out all that news about covid-19 especially after you and like goodbye you know i'm done yeah mm-hmm. so that's how i i feel sometimes um yeah but then again there's that fine line between apathy and empathy right engaging at a appropriate amount so mm-hmm. i guess the approach is that you know contrary uh contrary to like popular be- popular belief a lot of research would suggest that the most effective people in the helping profession like you know doctors or psychologists in therapy and medicine are not those who are the most empathetic so mm-hmm. you imagine that being able to understand what the other person is going through makes you good at treatment but mm-hmm. the fact is those who are able to remain detached from individual cases are able to perform the job the best because they're unclouded emotionally so mm-hmm. and they don't burn out as well you mm-hmm. know so there's a lot of like that emotional fatigue that goes on in the industry which I've also experienced firsthand volunteering mm-hmm. at a home's help desk as a caseworker for like nearly four years um, yeah so that kind of like you know, feelings of gonna burn out of my temperament la, because I'm quite like emotional and I, I get emotionally vested. I can't help it. Uh, yeah, it made me like reconsider going to direct work and the helping profession because it's just hard for me to handle that like high influx of cases. Yeah. And you know, you need to be strong, right? It's like your friends are suffering. Like no one is like your friend cries, then you also start breaking down and crying also, right? Like no, no way. So yeah, it's it's really scary and that's my like experience so far yeah yeah i think the, the the thing you mentioned about the whole i think i think it's hard to distinguish between like the self and other when it comes to like empathy like i think in empathy you you tend to feel with the other person right but the issue comes when you confuse yourself with the other person so it, the importance is knowing that the emotion you resonate with is not your emotion but it's the emotion of the other person so i kind of find it interesting but um what do you feel about the difference between empathy and compassion instead because I feel like compassion sort of like goes beyond the feeling of like you're feeling with the other person to feeling instead for the other person so it's kind of like you're not really joining in the suffering so you're slightly more resilient in that sense so it already creates that emotional distance from like the individual and the situation so it becomes more I guess active and constructive so I don't know if that's a better word to use compared to apathy or like, is it like an in-between word? I just, yeah, I just don't know how it fits in, but it seems to me that compared to empathy, like compassion seems like it's more action-based and like motivation, no, I guess. Mm, Right. Yeah, I think that's really interesting because like when you say it like that, you know, having compassion for someone else rather than empathizing with them, it's kind of like you're on the same page with them, right? But Mm -hmm. uh, having compassion, like you said, you know, feels like um, you are you are kind of being able to take action. You're just like, okay, what is it like for them? But then like, I'm still able to do something about it. Mm-hmm. I think uh, Bren- Brenny Brown, she's a psychologist and she actually puts it really well. Uh, she has a series on like compassion and empathy. Mm-hmm. And like, she thinks that it's kind of like being able to lower yourself into this hole where the other person is mm-hmm. and being able to like sit with them, but also being able to climb out of the hole you know yes mm-hmm. so like that's very important i feel especially you know you need to be able to draw your lines draw your boundaries and remember at the end of the day when i go home for example after a four-hour shift 
I remember that these are very real problems, but these are not my problems. Mm. You know, I can help. And the best way that I can help someone else is by not taking on this burden for them, but mm-hmm. taking action in the office when I can. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Definitely empathy is, it, it can be like quite draining and it's depletive, I think, compared to, mm. I guess, compassion that's more regenerative and like productive. So yeah well that's that's really interesting like the thought that altruism could end up being unhealthy and even like pathological to some extent if it's done to a overly yeah great i was actually wondering like because we talked a little bit about like the difference between being someone that's very emotion driven versus someone who's more like has a clearer head i guess when they go about trying to help people but i was also thinking that actually technically emotion is a very great driver and great motivator for even wanting to start helping out in the first place versus mm. like very logic logical people I think tend to be more like um self-preserving, I guess. <laughs> like, <laughs> moved to, to do great things or, or to make big differences. I don't know, like from your experiences or, or from your experiences volunteering, like what are you seeing in the volunteer space? Like are people more towards the apathetic side or more to, towards the empathetic side? And this I guess also comes with the fact that you are probably doing more like groundwork versus mm. like higher level work, I would say. Mm. Right. I guess I'm quite a bad person to ask on that because my experiences, of course, are mostly like on the ground and I've interacted with a lot of other people as well who are on the ground similarly. Right, right, right. So like being a bleeding heart type of person, right? Mm. I've actually met a lot of other people who are also bleeding hearts. Like for example, like looking at my ex-co, uh, for the student group in NUS that uh, kind of promotes a vegan diet and lifestyle. Um, I mean, listening to their stories of even how they went vegan in the first place, it tends to be a lot of emotion. But right. of course, like, behind that emotion is also a lot of, um, like, logic and reasoning, you know. Right. Like, of course, you're shocked at the suffering of, like, trillions of animals in the animal agriculture industry, you know. Mm-hmm. So it's not entirely, like oh my gosh, this is so sad. Like, I don't know, some, something died. Okay, I must like do something. Right, yeah, now. it's not like just, oh, this animal, oh, I love animals. But it's like a lot more, more than that. Like, other than the ethical dimension, there's a lot of other dimensions to the argument for veganism as well. So, yeah, mm. like, that could definitely be like a starting point. Like the emotional mm. trigger, the catalyst. But that's, that's what I mostly hear from people who actually end up like becoming like vegan or taking on like a plant-based diet. There's an emotional catalyst. But alongside with that, comes a lot of other like rational arguments from different viewpoints and like different yeah perspectives yeah exactly exactly like there's no one like I guess way that you that you kind of attach yourself to a cause in that sense and also I think it's about the journey right so some people who get into it because of like emotions later find out about different reasons like for the environment or something so they become very invested in it for all these practical reasons and to stay and stick with something after your emotions have dried out, also mm. it's very important. Like I, I know, uh, speaking to like my my casework colleague, I guess Jonathan Wem, uh, he's been in this space for like ages, you know, like ten plus, fifteen, twenty years even, and I just ask him like, how does he do it every day? And he just does, you know. So at this point, for him, I guess okay, don't quote me. Hey, Jolivan, you're say this. I, I, mean no, I mean no slander. But like, he told me that, you know, it's a matter of like, du- duty. Like, he keeps going, he keeps doing it because he feels like he has to. 
And like, it's not even about like, okay, like the suffering of so many, like he's beyond that point already. He knows that at this point, this is the action that we must take to secure like better outcomes for living conditions of migrant workers. So he does it. Mm. So yeah. <laughs> How do you feel that this sense of duty came about for him? Or just in general, like how does one cultivate a sense of duty? I mean, it's a broad question and might be a difficult one, but I'm just curious from your perspective. Like, is it a matter of like your family upbringing being, teaching you to be a very compassionate person mm-hmm. or... Or do you think it's more about self-education or everything? Yeah. Right. Well, that's a hard question. It's a hard question. I, I'm just curious. <laughs> <laughs> hmm. What about for I, Jonathan specifically? Yeah. yeah. So I was wondering for Jonathan specifically, like where he comes from, right? Like where does this sense of duty actually come from? Is it from doing so much good work that he's like, oh, yeah, I just have to do it, man? Like, um... Yeah. I can't speak for Jolivan, really. Uh, but okay, if I, I had to say for myself, okay. Uh, I just feel like it's because of the sense of privilege that we have. Yeah. Like, I guess, you know, growing up, we've never really realised that we've been in an incredible position of like, you know, wealth and like happiness and being sheltered from these kind of concerns. So at that point when you learn, start to learn more about our community, and like actually grow more understanding of their problems mm. it feels like it's up to you to kind of um empower them in right. that sense right so it's not really about like oh yes i'm a savior you know having this savior complex but mm. it's just a matter of yeah you needing to uh share your resources in right. that, yeah would you say that's like linked to effective altruism the whole idea that this is basically aimed at people who have a great amount of resources or more so than other people. Let's say like if they earn more money, have more like surplus income to to donate. So therefore, using the whole utilitarian kind of like perspective, they can achieve more. But it's interesting because before that you're talking about duty, right? And that's very like Kantian, like duty mm. versus like utilitarian is really looking at like the numbers and the empirical scientific data. So like, can those be reconciled? Can you do both? Oh my gosh. I remember, okay, I'm not going to start some like big philosophical right, debate, debate, but like. <laughs> which has, which, which there are lots of articles uh, about actually. Uh, but yeah, I would say that that definitely can be reconciled, like having a sense of duty and also going by the numbers. Because sometimes the numbers do give you a sense of duty when you realize how privileged we are based on, like, how, for example, half, uh, half the world living below the. A daily average of like 250 a day or something like that you know so mm-hmm. in a sense the numbers can give you a lot of uh, drive as well mm-hmm. to realize how much good you can actually do even though we may not realize it you know sometimes you all feel so helpless and powerless especially in you know when you're just a student right you're like what can I do you know I don't have a job I'm like just a recipient of like the world per se but I think that it really puts things into perspective when you look at how you know, statistically, you're in that privileged half of the world and there's so much you can do with your career, even in, like, terms of, if you're not working in a space that is related to, you know, altruism or, like, causes like these, you can still donate and your money has, like, the power to go a really a long way, you know? Like, when I found out that, like, you can spend, like, 50 cents on numbers, you can donate elsewhere, I was like, 
okay, that, that definitely puts things into perspective, right? Like your Starbucks drink or whatever it is you might want to buy on Shopee. Sorry, Simon. Um, it's, <laughs> it's actually cool. Cool. <laughs> yes, go ahead. Yeah, it actually like really goes a long way in that sense. And not just in like the in the marketing sense of yeah, your dollar will go a long way, you know, but actually it goes a long way. So um so yeah, it is really um helpful in, in, in that way. Um yeah. Mm, okay, okay. But that goes to the whole argument of like individual action versus like something more like the institutional social reform kind of like mm. level right how, how do you think those two like come into play and like do you sometimes necessarily have to sacrifice like one for the other because one is more impossible to achieve than the other and is that mm. right to do in terms of like greater effectiveness for change i guess yeah questions questions yeah. <laughs> i feel like yeah this this is the this is the point where like people get like intimidated maybe about doing anything because they just don't know what to do right and there's like quite a lot of dispute in the space itself about like is individual action more effective or is it like you know becoming a politician earning big bucks donating it mm-hmm. um yeah so the, i guess the second criteria of be a good person here would definitely be like you know do you contribute directly to causes at various levels? There's like individual level to adopt lifestyle changes, societal level to campaign for changes, like at a civil society or NGO level, or if you are a change maker itself, like, I don't know if you're actually MP or in the government. Um, yeah, I feel like, um, I guess it's echoed by many people. Uh, this, And I feel like it's a false dichotomy, you know, it's not like either or situation mm-hmm. or like, uh, you know, getting this overt media attention on banning straws versus like getting banks to divest from fossil fuels. You know, it's not, it's not like that. Um, you know, but both sides seem to be tearing each other down, even though we're on the same side. Um, yeah, I guess for me, um, adopting like a plant-based lifestyle in twenty seventeen started out at the individual level. I think a bit like we discussed earlier on about emotion as well. And I guess it's very tied to that level of entry, right? Like, how can you get into things is where is what's most accessible to you. So as an individual, you know, you're just this humble student uh, doing something that seems relatable, seems right, um, and feels like you're doing something great. That's a, I guess that's the pro and con of doing things at individual level. Because mm-hmm. feeling good about yourself is like, yeah, you know, I'm motivated to continue this. Uh, but at the same time, it keeps you stuck there. Like, I become for all focused on, like, my vegan diet or my straw my straw habits or whatsoever. <laughs> so, yeah, don't get me wrong. I learned a lot through veganism, like, you know, extending of empathy, understanding towards other living beings, uh, you know, from animal rights to other human rights. Um, and it, it was kind of like the catalyst for me to start this journey of being more conscious overall. And I mean, not surprisingly, having empathy for other beings enables you to step outside of yourself as well. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, I, I, I'm very grateful for it. I was involved in you know, a myriad of social issues, like thinking about human rights, like racism, sexism, along with speciesism, um, you know, which is you know, believing that certain species are more superior than other species in the case of humans and animals. And within animals, how some animals are more worthy than others. Like, uh, you know, how we think that pigs, chickens are should be eaten, but dogs shouldn't be. So, um, yeah, it leads you to 
it's like a can of worms, right? Like Pandora's box. And then I went down this, you know, oh, okay, there are a lot of bigger systems that oppress and discriminate against these groups. So that was great, but that's the trade-off, right? Um, When you start to focus on that individual level and you make it everything that you do, I think what happened to me was that I started beating myself up over it. So you get very fixated on things like plastic disposables, fast fashion, when it isn't really productive. And you know that statistic when, you know, they quote that, um, they quote that, uh, wow, like only 0.06% of plastic is produced by individuals or like most of it is called corporations. Um, yeah, like it's true, you know. I know it doesn't excuse like action, but it's true. So, you know, being consumed with so much guilt isn't, going to help you focus on like bigger scale things mm-hmm. and like you're just not going about it right in that pit space you know I really used to be like that but realizing that myself individual actions are limited by that higher up chain of reactions that have nothing to do with me but nonetheless my responsibility to be with um really helped me so yeah uh I guess the takeaway from this is don't set the small stuff and it's really that like super difficult balance about like holding yourself accountable but also remembering your priorities so I mean why am I still vegan you know it's like consider an individual action or I'm not like campaigning like to the national meat authorities or whatever to shut down factory farms but uh, the reason is that it's one of the ways that I believe in that isn't inconvenient for me because I live in a first the first world with affluence and time it allows me to be in line with my morals and values as a you know compassionate being, so that's why I still do it, <laughs> even though maybe it's not too effective now. Yeah, so I don't know. What what, what do you guys think? Can, <laughs> so it's a long I'm curious. Can you pinpoint a very specific moment, like I don't know, maybe like something, some media you consumed, or something that someone told you, or that you uh, found out about, or something, and like a specific moment where you felt especially like burnt out by the whole like trying to be vegan or trying to be more sustainable. Can you like pinpoint any specific moments like that? Mm, I guess, okay, the strange thing is that like, it, it really feels like a double-edged sword to me because I think social media and seeing everyone kind of like obsessively document their plastic use kind of got to me. Because at that point I was like, yeah. oh, like, is this, you know, it feels inspiring, right? Like, okay, I'm going to go everywhere to, I'm going to like, you know, show people my photos of like me BYOing and then maybe other people will also BYO. But, oh my gosh, after a while. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Sorry, sorry, continue, continue. I'm like, ah, almost... <laughs> yeah, it, it really felt like that. Like, after a while, I started feeling like this, oppressive like cloak of like social media people watching me and then every time I went to get something and it wasn't BYO'd I would feel like wow like am I doing something criminally wrong so I guess there's that kind of like self uh self expectation that builds up after a while and also social expectation you know like okay like I need to be doing this now and also because I think at that time it was trending like sometime like last last year in like 2019-ish yeah, so that was kind of scary, right? Like, you feel like there's this kind of, like, police, like, watching out. Like, oh, you're a bad person. Big brother's watching. <laughs> but you're friends this time. Yes. And eco-warriors. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. yeah, the whole issue of, like, 
performative activism, right? Kind of like on social media. Mm-hmm. Like whether people are trying to, I guess, I don't know, follow just just follow trends blindly or like gain social clout or virtue signal to avoid, I guess, also primarily being lynched by cancel culture, like what you mentioned. So like how how impactful is it really to like sort of repost something or like just change like the colour of your DP or your post? Like how much change do those like online digital trends, like hashtags as well, how much change do they actually engender in the real life, in your opinion? Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, I'm not a big social media activist. I have a couple of friends who are. Uh, I and I was like, <laughs> I don't know if it led to any change, but yeah, sorry, interrupted you. Yeah, no, no, no. Social media is a really tough ball, man. Like, I guess, okay, this kind of brings me to the third point of how to be a kind of a good person as well, which is, you know, we think of someone who uses their platform to speak up and kind of amplify these issues, right? Um, so I don't know how effective it is. It really depends on your strategy, I feel, because, you know, to a certain extent, you have to be mindful that you're influencing, like, the general public, <laughs> like, of people who follow you, maybe, if you are, you have more followers, like a mini influencer, then, yeah, it's still the general public, right? And they're not going to exactly be very invested in the same issues as you are. But it definitely creates this similar culture of like, maybe I should do it, you know, peer pressure in a sense, like, can you peer pressure other people into doing good? I think it works. <laughs> like, you can make them believe that, okay, wow, this is so trendy. Vegans are so cool. I love them, you know? <laughs> you know what I mean? It'll happen someday. <laughs> you know what I mean? So I, I legit feel like this year, everyone thinks veganism is super cool. Like, you think? Oh my god, dude, I've yeah. seen so much shit on like TikTok. The people are like, oh my god, that vegan again. Oh my god, there's so much troll, like sarcastic iron like irony, haha. I'm funny satires on vegans. I'm like, uh <laughs> okay, ha ha ha, the first time. <laughs> oh dear. But yeah. like genuinely though, I feel like in other circles, maybe not TikTok. Uh it, yeah, maybe not TikTok. Actually, yeah, actually not too bad. Like when I tell people that I'm vegan, they firstly know what it is. And they're like, oh, wow. Yeah, they're like, oh, wow. Like, okay. I guess it's also because of, like, the rollout of all the, like, options, right? Like, Impossible, Beyond. They're very exciting and, like, considered trendy now, you know. Every fast food place needs to have an option or they're not in. So, (laughs) So, yeah. In some ways, uh, back to the question, um, social media can be inspiring, I think, uh, about effectiveness. I wouldn't say to throw all your like eggs into that basket because unless you are an influencer with like a few K followers. <laughs> yeah. Like don't get too discouraged. Lah. It's like the general masses, you know. Um they'll hop on when they will hop on. Um but yeah, don't 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 feel like you need to like I guess um how do I say like keep up and do their expectations either. Cause I feel like I definitely felt that like after you know creating a certain like persona for yourself if you look at accounts like maybe like Eloise um if you know who she is uh or like or like Odette maybe um yeah like after a while you feel like okay I need to be like this super woke person who like knows everything and like you know doesn't get cancelled somehow at the same time yeah like people are gonna have expectations from from you but you know you're still learning uh and of course, you must like 
accept, I guess, fundamentally that you are going to go against the grain. So there will be resistance there. So that's like a basic expectation of if you're going to use your platform to influence. Yeah, yeah and, I, and I think on that note, I don't think it shouldn't be also like a, an all or nothing mindset. Like just because I don't know, I feel like some people feel that it's super annoying when like there are some like super woke people that you're following that is reposting shit like crazy. But at the same time, mm. I'm like, I don't know, I feel like one, at least one of these posts or, or whatever will make an impact in ways that you would not envision. So for example, like um, Pride Month, right? I think it's this month. And like, I think I just reposted something casually about like Pride Month and to show that I support. And like, I think one of my friends was gay, right? He was like, oh my God, like I saw that you posted that. And then he was like, oh, like, happy and stuff. So I mean, mm-hmm. it's really just the small things. Like even if like all your followers don't give a shit and like you don't get engagement. But I don't know, I, I do think that in the small ways, it does make the impact or like wiggle its way into like the consciousness of people. Yeah. I don't know. I, I, I think this is just quite fun, a fun anecdote. But like, I saw this um, influencer, like, I don't know if y'all know, like, I am Xia En. Like, she's like uh, a spin instructor and she like, like, and she really cares a lot about environment and she like, cares a lot about um, bringing her own as well, like BYO. And then she posted this Insta story of her like crying when she saw so many people like carrying plastic bags or something oh like gosh. that. Oh, okay, but, but, but <laughs> she's a really genuine personality. I know this sounds like super right. dumb. But, like, she was just so sad because she felt that she was putting in so much effort to, like, BYO. And then, like, people at the supermarket are just, like, taking a shit ton of plastic bags. And then when I saw that, like, my heart, like, died a little. I was like, oh, there is that. And I felt, like, low-key, like, 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 even more compelled to be, like, you know, just BYOing or not even, like, ordering takeout in the first place. So, mm. you never know, like, what's going to hit the audience, especially if it's done in, like, a super, mm. like, genuine and impactful manner yeah but okay sorry for <laughs> anecdote but that being said also like yeah I, I I just kind of wonder right like because I struggle a lot with the whole issue about like um feeling because I follow like a, a few okay a lot of woke people because I aspire to be like that but it's super stressful because like everything seems to be like calling for your attention and like I find it easier to like just shut everything out sometimes so like Mm. I like what are your coping mechanic coping mechanisms with something like that like how do you not get desensitized and how do you not feel like just shutting things out all the time because obviously you already you know have your clear mission which is like veganism for example but don't other things like call out to you and when they do like how do you balance trying to do good in like every sphere or every like discipline yeah right yeah, I have literally like gotten into an existential crisis because of this. You know, like what we talked about about <laughs> about having so many things going on, right? right? And how do you kind of choose? Because after a while, everything just everyone needs help, right? Yeah, so you know, crazy. Like now it's the individuals, and then it's the big causes, and then like they're all taking up like real estate on the social media app, and I'm just like. <gasps> oh my god like there's just so much to manage and like so many people that need your money and it's just <laughs> like help <laughs> my brain is paralyzed yes ah uh, yeah it's it's really true and i guess that's one of the reasons why also social media like activism might not work right um like you know it just results in people being desensitized that they don't want to engage so i feel like that right balance of i mean on a perspective of a person who's trying to influence 
is getting that you know sweet spot between where you can engage people and shock them enough, but not shock them too much that they run back into their shell. You know, mm-hmm. like I don't know what to do. This is too much. Yeah. So we want to provide people with like concrete actions that they can do. Right. You don't want to just be like here's the information. Goodbye. Um. Yeah. But on the side of like consuming all this information, right? I would say that it's really hard. Um. To you know, to decide where's that where's that boundary. But personally, I'll just. And my advice would just be to meet whatever it is, wherever you are. So if you feel like that is what you can do, then do it. There's no shame in disengaging because, you know, like we said, everyone disengages. We have a limited attention span, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, no, no guilt about this. You know, we're always, always learning. And I guess the goal for me right now, at least, uh, is to be as sustainable as I can in my journey. So that also means like not burning out right now because if I burn out now, then how am I going to make any difference in my like estimated 70 years lifespan? You know, I still got like 50 more years to go. I can't die now, you know? (laughs) Yeah, so honestly, it's okay if like you don't do anything right now because you have so much potential in the future to do even more good than you are doing right now. For example, you know, not always about like all the like oh, campaign campaign fundraiser that calls out to you right yeah. now but yeah. if you don't it's okay it's like uh you know short term versus the long term view so yeah you really do have a lot more opportunities to make a difference or even engage with issues so there's no rush on that i guess mm-hmm. um just do what you can if that helps uh yeah i guess another tip i have is to kind of Avoid being in that space of fear and passive action. Although sometimes pass- passive, what seems like passive action is really just like, you know, you thinking, right? That's fine also. Uh, but rather you're going to be in a space of like growth and like curiosity, you know? So rather than seeing like uh, certain issues and like, okay, for example, like uh, the, current, the current war and then being like, oh, like that really scares me. Looking at all these children being bombed. Uh, you want to be in a place of curiosity and like action where you're like, okay, like, okay, so so why why is that happening, you know? Or like, what are the consequences of that? Or what are people doing on the ground? So I think that mindset also really helps. And if you feel like you're going back into that kind of like fear-based mindset, where you're just like freaking out over everything, then stop, you know? Like, go back to your show, do whatever it is you need to do. I have to confess that I have not caught up with like a lot of news lately. And like last year, COVID was like, my year of like, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna consume news, even though it's slightly irresponsible lah. But I can still afford to, and I still have time, so that's okay. Yeah. Actually, I I do have like, I mean, on this note, like I have a, like a bit of a harder question. So, I'm just thinking in the perspective of someone, let's say for example, who reads all these news about, uh, like. Yeah, children getting like you know killed and and what and whatnot and and just a lot of negative news in general, like, and then feeling like super okay. I kind of lost my train of thought here, but like, just feeling so like negative about everything, and like, or okay, so there's like two ends of the spectrum, right? Like one end is like they just end up feeling nothing, and then versus the other end is like they end up feeling everything. Like I don't know, like are, are there different causes of action that someone should take? Um, when when that kind of happens. Right. So you're saying that, like, there's people who do nothing, uh, who feel nothing. Oops. 
crush yeah. who, who, who you very little they're like oh this is too far removed from like my life I guess or or maybe I, I can't really access this or or I guess empathize maybe it's like it's not even about empathy I guess it's just they're like okay this is really far far removed from me like like yeah. I, I don't even know how to manage that right yeah versus like those who like I guess feel everything like super drastically and then like right. yeah don't know what to do yeah Right, yeah, okay. Well, I can definitely give more advice for the people who feel a lot. Uh, but I'm going to start off with the people who don't uh, feel that much. So uh, this is a concept that I learned uh, in an effective altruism like uh, fellowship. But it's quite cool because there's this concept called like having moral circles. So you are in the centre mm-hmm. of the circle and in your inner circle are people closest to you. So for example, your family your loved ones, your friends. And as you expand further out in your circle, it's like concentric circles, um, you then think about like maybe your fellow countrymen. And then from there, you think of like the rest of the world. And from the rest of the world, then you think about like maybe other species, so animals. And then from there, you branch out to like insects. And I guess a very the very like far off circle might be like future human beings or like maybe sentient robots, you know, or AI. So as you can see, like the the further you go out, the more far removed it becomes from you, right? So in that sense, uh it's meant to meant to help you like visualize where your moral circle of consideration extends to. So you can imagine for those people who feel a lot, their moral like circle would be like all the way. Right, right, yeah. So there's yeah, there's just so much to focus on and then you feel overwhelmed but for the people who are like uh maybe not so like can't visualize other beings as related to them then they'll be like very concentrated in the circle mm. i guess for them maybe the best thing to do is to start near your inner circle to things that you can relate to like right. don't go be like i want to like advocate for uh i don't know insect insect uh suffering or wild animal suffering you know that's like a very a crazy thing to do right you want to look at like local scale like I don't know if you're interested in like elderly or like children you know things that are like familiar and relatable to you and then slowly from there like branch out even further yeah um so that's for the people who don't feel that much um and I guess for people who feel a lot I would recommend that you downsize your circle like that's still in your moral consideration you know like all these beings but you must remember your priorities and i guess like it's not saying that okay people at home are like more worthy of moral consideration like people elsewhere but like whichever circle and whichever level you want to be at just be there you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um because you know we're all limited human beings as as my existential crisis proved i was like that you're not going to be able to do it all okay you just Mm -hmm. have to focus on one thing and then like hopefully sort of be good at it but also influence other people who can hopefully sort of be good at whatever their thing is Mm. so i love that i love the framework of thinking actually honestly solid advice man i love the idea of the circles as well and i i feel like flipping it on its head is just like such good advice for people who want people around them to start caring more like like Mm. trying to start from like areas that might call out to them more it just makes a lot of sense like what they really access more and and feel for like have a higher likelihood of actually feeling for something <laughs> like starting mm. from there makes so much sense so oh my god I, lo- I love that framework so much actually 
Yeah. Okay, well, so million dollar <laughs> final question. Ooh. After being like, just, you know, as an individual, constantly daily being bombarded by like news and social media and like just like pain and suffering on like the domestic and the global scale, dealing with like the fatigue, exhaustion and burnout that I guess with recent like news and just like the, the COVID pandemic as well, all, all this suffering in the world, like can we still be a good person and should we still try to be a good person uh i mean you know the answer is yes right (laughs) (laughs) just to be the devil's advocate (laughs) okay goodbye folks that's all (laughs) yeah i mean obviously yes uh i don't know i think at the end of the day if you ever feel like very down or dejected by how demanding it is to be a good person nowadays um i have i guess two pieces of advice uh i guess the first one uh would be reach out find your community i feel like after not all these years i'm not that old okay (laughs) but after all this time right i feel like the only thing that has kept me going obviously the cause but the other thing that has got me going is really like my fellow friends that I've made along the way who are like such great advocates themselves also that they inspire me to keep going like I don't know how I would like go on without like for example knowing my amazing vegan community or the other people who care for migrant workers as well like we would just have like fizzled out you know but that's how like you kind of keep on I guess the hope keeps burning you keep passing on the flame in that sense um yeah like so in 2019 uh I came across this post uh, by by my friend in her Instagram story and then it linked me to this other person who I didn't know um, and her name is like Xuan Ling. She started this fundraiser for the International Rescue Committee and it was for refugees in Yemen. And like because of her like giving page, I decided to start like a fundraiser myself to contribute to her fundraiser and then we had an art session and we raised like a thousand dollars and it was just really... It was just really great. I was just was really, really inspired by her conviction to keep going. And that's really why I did it, you know. Like, I, yeah, I was just really taken by, by her efforts. And, like, collaborative action, you know. Like, that's where it is. I have never even met her. Or, like, I don't even know who she is. I, still, I mean, I kind of know her now. But, like, you know what I mean? Like, that's really the power of social media as well, you know. Or, like you know, a good story and how effective marketing can be sometimes and it's used for the right cause, you inspire others to take action. Um, yeah, so that's my that's my first tip, I guess, uh, on whether you can still be a good person, yes. Uh, and my second tip is, I actually forgot my second tip. <laughs> this happens all the time on this show. This always happens. Oh my god. Yeah, okay. oh, oh. <laughs> I remember it now. Thanks, thanks guys for stopping. <laughs> so my second tip is uh, I know you all love quotes a lot. So this is a quote for you. Um I can't remember who it's by, but uh he basically said when you remember when you remember that you don't have to be perfect, you can be good. Oh, so yeah, I think yeah, I, I think that, yeah, it's, it's so meaningful and says everything I want to say because I think so often, you know, we're chasing a lot of things at the same time, different causes, different expectations. Um, and yeah, we just want it all, but we can't. And when you give up on that, then you can actually do something. Yeah. Wow. Oh, that's a nice quote to end on. Lovely, beautiful <laughs> ending. 
Thank you so much for coming on the episode, Belle. Oh and sharing all the insights. Wow, this has been so insightful, not gonna lie. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, so, it, always, it always amazes me like how um constant and disciplined you have been in like your entire journey to like doing good. And I'm just like also very inspired and very glad, mm-hmm. I guess, to call your friend that I can like look up to and you're just like immediately in that circle, right? And, and I'll be like, if she can do it, I can do it. You know? Right, yeah. I admire your drive so much. Like that's that's insane. Like you're still chipping at it every single day, even though like you've mentioned you have experienced burnout exhaustion and yet you're still going at it. I think that's super admirable. Thanks guys. But also take a break. I took a break last year, so take your well deserved one. Thank you, and that marks the end of the episode. Woohoo! We'll see you guys next week, and thanks for tuning in. See you! Take care!